Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 211. Today's topic is Bernie's Green New Deal, Part 13. The Climate Report is a daily radio show and podcast that asks the question, WTF? Who's running the world and why do they want to ruin it for the rest of us, including their own children? The Climate Report is a thorough examination of how to solve the problem of climate change, and the Climate Report is your definitive source for information and analysis related to the Green New Deal. On the Climate Report, we question everything we've ever been taught about American politics, economics, and culture. The views expressed are those of the speaker and no one else. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at the Climate Report. Now, let me say something about this comment I have here. On the Climate Report, we question everything we've ever been taught about American politics, economics, and culture. Most of my life, I was a conservative, sometimes a far right conservative, socially and or economically. Then for about 10 years, I was an independent. And uh, only in the last year and a half or so have I come to this place where I'm (laughs) questioning everything I've ever been taught about American politics, economics, and culture. So, you know, this is not something I was taught by my parents or the news media or any educational institution I ever attended. Uh, So just for what it's worth. Now, let's go to Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. So the Green New Deal is this whole big thing. It's not just a law or a set of policies. It is a set of policies, but it's it's a new deal. It's a new contract. It's a new agreement, a new understanding, a new social contract. And uh, one thing about the Green New Deal is that the it, it will restore real democracy. We do not have real democracy. If we had real democracy, then uh, we wouldn't be polluting people and giving people cancer and uh, all the things that occur to people because they are not the richest among us. So we need to stop accepting the reality of money in politics. We need to stop accepting the corruption that is in politics. And we need to stop feeling like it has to be this way because it does not have to be this way. We can get money out of politics and we need to if we're going to save our species. We can declare health care as a human right, and we need to if we're going to save our species. We can implement true democracy as opposed to fake democracy. We can implement true democracy if we are going to save our species. The list goes on and on. We can get rid of this phony drug war and uh, legalize marijuana and end mass incarceration, end for-profit prisons, end the prison industrial complex, and we must if we are going to save our species. We can end war 
as the primary means for the United States to resolve international conflicts. And we need to, if we're going to save our species, we can end wars of, of regime change and wars of aggression on the part of the United States if we are going to save our species. And we, and we must do that. We can do it and we must do it. So let's get into Bernie's Green New Deal. We've been talking about things underneath the heading of, now do, okay, so this is policy. Do not get bored. Do not get bored. Do not tune me out. We're talking about policy. This is important. We can no longer leave policy to the politicians. The politicians are in Washington, D.C. picking their noses, all but a very few. 95% of our politicians are picking their noses. They're not doing their job. They are not doing the will of the people. Therefore, you and I need to understand what the will of the people is. And the Green New Deal, among other things, is a statement of the will of the people. This is policy. We can no longer leave policy to the politicians. We must, some of us anyway, must become conversant in policy. And it doesn't mean a bunch of technical stuff. It, and some of it is stuff we have never heard before because the corporate media is not going to talk, repeat, not going to talk about common sense analyses of public policy. The corporate media is not going to tell you all of the ways that you're getting screwed because of the sham politics that we have and the sham economic ideologies that we have. We must learn policy. We must learn the basics of why Medicare for All is a good thing and why the hell are, is it not implemented? Even Democrats are not for Medicare for All. The party of the people is not for Medicare for All because their donors are against it. We could go on and on. The party of the people, the Democrats, is, uh, is not for peace. They are for war because their donors are for war. So let's, uh, the part of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal we're getting into. So we're going to start reading bits of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. And 18, paragraph 18, use the power of international leadership. So use the power of international leadership to do what? We're all the way down to paragraph H. And we're going to use the power of international leadership to renegotiate disastrous trade deals to protect the environment. I'm going to read the whole paragraph and then come back and take it sentence by sentence. Not only have agreements like NAFTA and permanent normal trade relations with China outsourced millions of American jobs, they have allowed corporations to outsource their pollution. Trade deals have been written in secret by billion-dollar companies to give polluters special handouts and protections, as well as the right to sue governments that pursue stronger environmental protections. Under a Sanders administration, this will end. Trade deals will be renegotiated to ensure strong and binding climate standards, labor rights, and human rights with swift enforcement. 
So let's take the first sentence. Not only have agreements like NAFTA and permanent normal trade relations with China outsourced millions of American jobs, they have allowed corporations to outsource their pollution. So the thing about NAFTA and the World Trade Organization and the permanent normal trade relations with China is that these agreements are called free trade, but they're anything but free trade. These agreements are not of the people, by the people, for the people. These agreements are of uh, the wealthy and corporations, by wealthy people and corporations, and for wealthy people and corporations. So, you know, if you know the impact of these agreements, you will know that labor, or organized or otherwise, the rights of labor are not represented in these agreements. The rights of the environment is not represented in these agreements. So let's take, for example, an auto company. Why would an auto company want the freedom to go to Mexico to assemble its parts there? Because it can do it cheaper, because it helps profits. It has nothing to do with the rights of labor. So you, you have cars coming out of Mexico. You have name, you know, the other day I had to deal with a lot of lawn furniture that was shipped from Mexico. Why is it shipped from Mexico? Because it's a little bit cheaper and because Mexico has environmental regulations that are more lax than those in the United States. So having all of this international trade going on, it's bad for the environment. It's bad for labor and it but it's good for profits so that's a bad agreement it it empowers these big corporations to not repeat not give a damn about the environmental impact of their operations it empowers these big corporations to not repeat not pay the true cost of what they do So you've heard me say on this show that a $5 hamburger really costs $200. The true cost of a $5 hamburger is is, uh, $200. That means McDonald's and Burger King and all the rest, they are making a profit off of that burger, but at the expense of the environment. So, you know, as we speak, the Amazon, rainforests in the Amazon, there are like 80,000 fires in the Amazon. That's because we have an economic system in which a forest has no value. A forest has no value until you maybe harvest the timber or you just burn it down and you grow cattle or you grow corn to feed the cattle, and you're not paying the true cost of that operation. You're not paying the true cost of the hamburgers that are made as a result of that operation. The alternative is something called true cost accounting, where if McDonald's had to pay the true cost of that hamburger, They'd go out of business and good riddance because they, every time they sell a hamburger, they are stealing from you and me. 
Every time they sell a hamburger, they're stealing from our future. If it's true, as according to Raj Patel, if it's true that a $5 hamburger costs $200, then McDonald's and Burger King are stealing from you and me every time they sell a hamburger. And that's what's called free enterprise. That's called the free market. But there's nothing free about it if they're allowed to steal from us to do what they do. So how do they arrive at that calculation that says a $5 hamburger costs $200? Well, I don't know, but I know that some things are priceless. The habitability of the planet is priceless. If Burger King and McDonald's are burning or or their contractors, maybe not the corporation directly, but the people, whoever is growing the meat that they sell, if whoever is growing the meat is allowed to burn rainforests in order to grow cattle for hamburgers, and if they have to burn rainforests to do it, then they're, they're, they're burning a priceless asset. They are allowed to destroy an asset that is priceless. So that $200 maybe should be doubled. Maybe the true cost of a hamburger is $200. Maybe the true cost of a hamburger is $100. Maybe it's $500. Maybe it's infinite. Maybe there is not a price high enough And it's not just hamburgers, it's automobiles, it's airplanes, it's oil, whatever these big corporations are selling, if they are not paying the true cost of it, then they are stealing from you and me every time they profit off of something that they did not pay for. So NAFTA and the World Trade, so this paragraph is about NAFTA, about the U.S., Uh, China trade agreement about the world trade organizations these agreements are written by and for the big corporations these big corporations are not paying the true cost of their activities if they were to pay the true cost of activities they wouldn't be in business and guess what if they went out of business if uh, fast food restaurants all of a sudden couldn't operate anymore because they had to pay the true cost of what they sell then there would be more opportunities for local restaurants. There would also be more opportunities for local organic farms. There would be opportunities for uh, local cooperative groceries, customer-owned groceries, because these are more sustainable local alternatives to the huge multinational corporations. The huge multinational corporations have the effect of displacing their competitors. Contrary to what you may have been taught, capitalism does not thrive on competition. Every capitalist business wants to get rid of the competition. Every capitalist business wants to kill the competition and Big companies can kill their competition more effectively and more efficiently than anybody else. So you'll have Walmart go into an area, they'll build five stores, drive out all the competition, 
and then tear down the five stores and replace them with two superstores. Maybe they don't tear down all five stores. Maybe that's not an exact scenario, but I do know that um, Walmart has been known to open stores, drive the competition out of business, close a couple of stores, and take two of those stores and expand them into superstores. Uh, Starbucks does the same thing. If you have, if there's a Starbucks on every corner, which is an exaggeration, but if there's a Starbucks, you know, Starbucks everywhere, it's harder for local coffee shops to stay in business. We would do well to encourage local businesses and discourage the multinational chains that just have the effect of driving the competition out of business. One way that they drive the competition out of business is through low prices. One reason they have low prices is that they do not pay the true cost of the goods that they sell. So that's why these trade deals are problematic, because they give advantage and favoritism to the big multinational corporations. If General Motors can save a nickel by moving its operations to Mexico, they'll do that. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but if they can save some money, if they perceive that they can be more profitable by moving their operations to Mexico, then then they will do that. And that is not, repeat, not good for the economy. It's not good for the economy that most people live in. It's not good for the economy of Main Street. It's not good for the economy that is good for workers. It is good for the economy that's good for Wall Street. Let's go to the next paragraph. And we are in the section of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal that deals with using the power of international leadership. Now, we're talking about public policy here. Do not go to sleep. Do not get bored. It is very important that you and I learn policy because we can no longer leave policy to the politicians if we ever could. Our politicians are sitting around picking their nose, doing the bidding of their donors, and not doing the bidding of the people. That needs to change, but it will only change if some of us learn policy so that we can uh, tell our elected leaders what we want them to do. Now, the last paragraph in the section that includes using the power of international leadership says that we're going to end overseas fossil fuel financing. The federal government currently supports investments in fossil fuels through the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, OPIC, that's O-P-I-C, the Export-Import Bank, and other multilateral institutions. These international investments are consistent with a goal to curb the global climate crisis and must end. They're inconsistent. These international investments are inconsistent with a goal to curb the global climate crisis and must end. A Sanders administration will lead these international financial institutions in advancing the equitable adoption of sustainable energy across the planet. 
So not only does the federal government currently subsidize fossil fuels six times more than subsidizing of renewable energy, which is exactly the opposite of what we should do. So not only does the federal government uh, subsidize fossil fuels six times more than renewable energy, we also have these banks and monetary funds that are, have been up to no good for decades the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund have been doing damage for decades. Uh, I suggest that you read Confessions of an Economic Hitman by George Perkins. It's an excellent book. It tells how the uh, it tells how these international institute, the U.S. run monetary funds, are just used to do a lot of damage in other countries you know they they get the they find a few corrupt people in each country and they ruin a country's economy so as to enrich a few oligarchs and a lot of this is done through industries that pollute heavily so you know if you have a bank any bank anywhere if investing in fossil fuels, investing in oil exploration, investing in coal mining, investing in fracking. These banks, these international monetary funds, uh, and the and Goldman Sachs and all the big, huge banks that are too big to fail and too big to jail, they are heavily into investment of new exploration. We do not need to be supporting that. We do not need to be supporting it financially. We do not need to be supporting it through, uh, through financial mechanisms. We do not need to be supporting that through trade deals. So Bernie's Green New Deal says we're going to end the investments of these international institutions in, uh, in fossil fuel exploration, and no doubt they're investing in building pipelines, et cetera, et cetera. Exa the exact opposite of what needs to be done. If anything, they need to be investing in uh, solar power and stuff like that, but I would rather they not even be involved in any of that. We need to get rid of the illusion that says these banks are anything but parasitic. The big banks are parasitic. The International Monetary, International Monetary Fund. So Wall Street is parasitic. I mean, the World Bank is parasitic. Uh, International Mon Monetary Fund is parasitic. And, and when I say parasitic, what I mean is that they take but don't give back. There's a, um, a great line from The Lion King from the song, The Circle of Life, and it goes like this. Some say eat or be eaten. Some say live and let live. But all are agreed as they join the stampede. You should never take more than you give. So a parasitic institution is something that takes more than it gives. Uh, remember at the first of the show when I said we're going to have to rethink everything? And especially we're going to have to rethink and unlearn everything we've ever been taught about American society, American culture, American politics, and American economics. We need to unlearn everything we've learned. In those. So one thing we've learned in those arenas is that all economic activity is good. There's this thing called the free market. 
and you just government steps back and just lets the free market do whatever it wants to do. We need to replace the term free market with market forces. Supply and demand are market forces. But there's no such thing as a free market. All markets are set up by somebody. All markets have rules. For example, the market for uh, energy uh, has all kinds of rules that go along with it. The government takes sides as far as what kind of energy it's going to support, and it, it often takes the wrong side, and that's what Bernie is saying here in his Green New Deal. He's saying the World Bank takes the wrong side on the market for energy. And the International Monetary Fund takes the wrong side on the market for energy. And when they do that, what they do is encourage, artificially encourage the use of fossil fuels by providing financing for fossil fuels, which is the exact opposite of what we need. The free market <clears throat> is supposed to be something that, oh, government just gets out of the way and lets business do what it wants. But when you get out of the way and let business do whatever it wants, then what happens is other people are impacted. So in economics, when other people are impacted, that's called externalizing the cost. So there are costs associated with the production and sale of oil and other fossil fuels. But there are, there are costs that are not borne by the seller of the fossil fuels. So, for example, when you buy a car and run a car and emit emissions, carbon, emit carbon from the car, then that goes along with an endless stream of pollution. I'm not saying you should feel guilty for having a car because we need to go to the top and change things systemically. And the last thing we need to do is to be blaming the consumer. The last thing we need to be, do is be telling the consumer that they should feel guilty for doing what comes naturally, which is to seek out convenience and, and uh, thrift and bargains and to pursue your goals. Consumers should be free to pursue their goals. And we shouldn't be blaming consumers for this mess that we've got because consumers did not create this mess that we've got in terms of the climate. Consumers did not create this mess that we've got in terms of the environment. So I'm not saying we should blame consumers, but when auto companies push cars, that has a cost, and they're not paying the true cost of cars. When oil companies push oil, they are not paying the true cost for that oil. And you could go on and on. When hamburger companies push hamburgers, they're not paying the true cost of those hamburgers. So we need to get to something called true cost accounting. And true cost accounting means you don't, it means you regulate oil companies. You, we need to regulate them out of existence. We need to take the hamburger companies and regulate them out of existence. If we have hamburgers at all, they need to be done in a way that is much, 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 much more sustainable because burning the frickin' Amazon is not sustainable. 
and the people standing in line at McDonald's wanting a lunch are not responsible for burning the Amazon. They are responsible for wanting a meal. But what we need to do is to change the system in which food is delivered and change the system in which we get energy. So that's all, about all the time we have. We will pick up next time where we left off this time. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, I would love to hear from you. Email info at theclimatereport.net.